Today we continue through the book of Mark. We are at chapter 4, verses 21 through 25. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. Good morning. Welcome back after last week's, oh, I'm switching sides here, that's going to be weird. After last week's Easter services, welcome back. Um, whether you joined us or whether you were somewhere else, I pray that God's resurrection power and glorious kingdom life were on display to you last week in your worship times and your family times. He is risen. Everything is different because he's alive and ruling now. We had a nice Easter, had a lovely sunrise service. Um, it rained until about 6.45, service started at 7, it started raining again about 8.35 when we were driving away from the park with all the stuff in the truck, so it was perfect for, for us. Um, not a lot of sunshine, but it was a, it was a great morning. Um, and Grace was here singing in the choir, and then we had a rest in the afternoon, the girls actually slept, which was great, and we had a nice, um, a nice Easter dinner over at Mark and Adrienne's, and um, and the girls uh, had a nice Easter egg hunt, which was great. It was a big deal. So those are, oh, I see it. yeah. So our three, Adaliah, Naomi, and then Lydia, and then Trinity. Um, so Tom put that up for me after, after hearing first service. So thanks, thanks, Tom, for that. But Lydia, you can see with the lovely face in the middle, um, she turned two this week. So that's fantastic. But she found that there was chocolate in the Easter eggs. She discovered that this year, and she was very excited about it. We had gathered all the eggs, had the Easter egg hunt, the baskets had been put away, and we were getting dinner ready. And she walks in with a, with a hard-boiled egg that has been totally peeled, and she's eating it. And we look at each other and we're like, what? Who peeled that for her? And all the adults are standing in the kitchen. She's found the egg and has peeled it. Uh, by herself, and we were kind of excited about that. And, um, and then we went back and found all the peel. So it's, it's around the Easter baskets. But the bigger deal is she'd gone through, rifled through the other girls' Easter baskets also, and discovered that there was chocolate in their Easter eggs as well. And actually, so if you're here, in between services, you would have seen her. I brought some Easter eggs, and she was rifling through just the ones that I had up here this morning. So she has developed, um, she's developed quite the taste for uh, Easter chocolate, which is wonderful. She found that in, in these silly plastic, I mean, just plastic egg, right? This one is a nice green color. I like it. Um, but inside there is chocolate. And in this one, there's chocolate, gold wrapped chocolate and a starburst, which is pretty cool. There's glorious stuff inside of an Easter egg. A plastic egg, just a silly plastic egg, but there's glory within it. Easter eggs are hidden in order to be found and then eaten, right? Just like the kingdom of God, 
It's hidden in Jesus, and it's hidden in us. But there is glory in the egg if you open it. Traditionally, the hard-boiled egg represents new life, and the chocolate represents the glory of the new creation. Or that's what I'm giving the meaning of the chocolate to. But if you're skeptical, you get nothing, right? If you're skeptical, I don't like the color of that egg, or I don't like where that's hidden, or I'm not going to go open that egg. That's, that's dumb. I think that's dumb. Then you miss out on the glory, right? Lydia has developed a taste for chocolate, and so she's figured out, I'm just going to trust that this thing has chocolate in it. I'm going to go for it. And she really went for it and continues to go for it. God is giving us His kingdom now, but it remains hidden. But what is hidden is sent to us so that it can be fully revealed. The purpose of its being hidden is to then reveal it. God is not going to hide His kingdom forever. He is going to put it on a lampstand. He's going to open it up and it's going to be fully revealed to everybody. And right now, He invites us to live a full kingdom life. The kingdom is wrapped up in the messiness of Easter eggs, of the church, the humanness, and the bureaucracy, and the traditions of the church. It's, it's wrapped up in... So green is the church. Blue is the scriptures. It's wrapped up in the human writings and the humanness and sometimes the mustiness of the scriptures, the difficult language. And it's wrapped up in our love for one another, the messiness and the humility and the submission required to love one another. It's wrapped up in that. And of course, the greatest egg, I'm going with purple again. I think I did purple first service too. The greatest egg, it's wrapped up in the human, very human person, very Jewish person, very first century person of Jesus Christ. The kingdom is hidden in that. But inside these eggs, there is chocolate and starbursts and other glories even better. They're just plastic eggs, but they contain glories. The scriptures invite us into the great story of God's love and redemptive plan for all creation. Jesus is the perfect image of God himself. Our love for one another is the ongoing life of Jesus by the power of the Spirit. And the church is God's chosen place for making the Spirit present in His creation. These plastic eggs are invitations to the glorious mysteries of the kingdom of God. In our passage this morning, Jesus is saying that the kingdom is hidden now, but will be fully revealed. And that we have a choice about how we respond to that kingdom in its hiddenness. Will we stay back? Will we stay skeptical and say, I don't like the color of that egg? Will we be happy to live in a world with the world as it is? With maybe a little Christ on the side? Or will we be like our little Lydia and go feast on the the plastic eggs, on the glories within the plastic eggs? Open up the eggs. Feast on the glories that they invite us into. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your great love, power, and wisdom. Jesus, we praise you for your mercy your faithfulness, and your love. Holy Spirit, we praise you for your grace, your comfort, and the work that you do in us. Make us new. Invite us into the glorious life of your kingdom and help us to live out your kingdom life in the world now. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been in the book of Mark, not for the last couple weeks, but we're back in the book of Mark today. Through the book of Mark, Jesus has come. He's announced his kingdom. The kingdom of God is here. Here, he says. 
And then he has taught with authority. He shows up in the synagogue and teaches with authority and everybody's amazed. And then he starts casting things out, casting demons out. Heals people of their diseases. Heals lepers and paralytics. And then he does these strange things that nobody else really tries to do. He forgives sins. And then he claims that he's the eschatological bridegroom. What does that mean? Lord of the Sabbath. Again, what does that mean? Oh yeah, and he's also the strong man. He comes to plunder Satan's house. So when we get to chapter 4, he's been showing the kingdom. Now he starts teaching about the kingdom. And in the first chunk of chapter 4, the first 20 verses, we see this parable of the seed and the soils. The farmer has been spreading the seeds. And how does the soil respond to those seeds? Some respond and have a huge crop. Others reject and are left with nothing. So that's the context we come to when we come to verses 21 to 25. Again, Mark has been teaching about Jesus' identity and the kingdom of God. Chapter 4 is about the kingdom of God and how people respond. And the rest of chapter 4, we'll see after these verses, is all about how the kingdom is small and hidden now, but it grows into great glories, like the mustard seed. That's the smallest of the seeds, but grows into the biggest of the plants, he says. So the context is Jesus teaching about the kingdom. So our passage has to be about Jesus teaching about the kingdom. It's about how will people respond now to the gospel of the kingdom of God. And Jesus gives us these two sayings, a little bit cryptic. A lamp is not brought to be put under a basket. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Again, this is all very cryptic in some ways. What is he talking about? Again, Jesus has been teaching crowds and he's been in showdowns with Pharisees and teachers of the law. But Jesus is showing off the kingdom, but the kingdom still remains hidden. It's like an Easter egg. There is glory there if you choose to open the egg. But Jesus' identity in the kingdom of God are lamps that are not meant to remain hidden. They will be put on the lampstand. It will illumine the whole world. The kingdom of God is going to show everybody and everything for what it is. It will shine and everyone will know. That's what he's talking about in verses 21 and 22. And then in 23 to 25, he challenges the disciples to respond. What kind of hearing will you do? He says. If anyone has ears to hear, the, the proper Greek here would be, he must hear. If you've got ears to hear, you must hear. And hearing, we think of hearing as like sound waves hitting our eardrums and our, our brains processes it. That's not the way the ancient world thought about hearing. The ancient world thought about hearing as obedience. I hear and obey. It's not like making sure that I comprehend the sound waves coming into my head. It's about what am I submitting to? What am I putting my life under? So when he says, be careful what you hear... He's saying, be careful, what are you submitting yourselves to? Are you listening with submission to the kingdom or to something else? The ancient world really understood this. The old commentaries that I read on this passage talks about you have to respond in faith before you understand. We don't get virtuous by understanding and then deciding to be virtuous. We respond in faith and then we become virtuous. We don't understand by... Making sure that we understand, we understand by first submitting to Jesus, by faith, and then we understand. Augustine called this faith, seeking understanding. 
We're people who we want, uh, our modern world has inverted this. We're people who want to understand everything first and then decide. That's not the way the world works. That's not the way our brains and our hearts work. We first have to submit and then we can understand. So this is what Jesus is calling us to. We must listen with faith and then we can see. We must listen with faith and see that there is light somewhere and then he will put it on the lampstand for us. When we first respond faithfully, then it will all become clear. And we're always receiving all kinds of messages all the time. So what are we going to submit to? That's the question for us. Naomi and I have been reading, well, we just finished reading this book. Um, She read it and I read it separately because my daughter is smart. Um, Called The Mysterious Benedict Society. I don't know, some of you may have read it or heard about it. The Mysterious Benedict Society, the first book is, there's four of them or five or a bunch There's this guy who wants to brainwash everyone by attaching messages to the radio waves and the TV waves and all the different sound waves that are traveling through the air. And he figures out a way to attach messages to those waves. And then the messages are teaching people to think the way he wants them to think. And so Naomi and I had a conversation about that. And we talked about, you know what, we're receiving messages all the time too. We're receiving all kinds of cultural messages through advertisements, through cultural pressures, through political things. We're always receiving messages. What messages are we listening to? Are we careful about them? Are we, are we aware that they're trying to give us messages? Like, I like to think I'm good about advertisements. Yeah, that truck, you deserve this truck. I don't deserve that truck. I deserve more than I've got, though. I don't want that one. Advertisements are always trying to create desire in us so that we'll go buy something, right? They're creating small desires. (laughs) A truck is not really a a big life-changing thing. But are we hearing and obeying those messages or are we listening to the kingdom of God and going, you know what, I don't deserve anything. What I deserve is hell, but Jesus has made a way for me. And by his grace, I get a whole lot more than a truck. I get salvation, And the kingdom life in me now. So who are we obeying? Who are we submitting to? Who are we hearing? Is the question. So how do we respond to Jesus in his kingdom? Are we diving in with faith? Even though the whole thing has yet to be revealed. Or are we going to wait and see? Let's be a little skeptical. I'm not sure. Are we gathering the Easter eggs? And opening them up and enjoying the chocolate? Or are we going to sit on the sidelines I don't like the color of that egg, so I'm not going to... I don't want me in that egg. Are we receiving the gifts that God is giving to us now in anticipation that all of our deepest longings are about to be fulfilled? When the kingdom comes, everything that we've ever really wanted, we'll get. Or are we going to hold on to the small pleasures, like a truck, that we can experience now, and that's about the most we can hope for? Are we going to love the lamp now before its light is fully revealed as brighter than the sun? Or will we reject the lamp so that even the small pathetic desires that we have will be taken from us? Jesus gives us an invitation to the kingdom of God. Will we choose our small desires and way of life and a culture that seems to dominate the kingdom, seems to hide it? And will we try and do the bare minimum Or are we going to really respond in obedient faith to the king and his kingdom and feast at his banquet? 
So verses 24 and 25 presents these two options. How will we respond? The Greek here is, by what measure we measure, it will be measured to us. There's a lot of measuring, apparently, um, going on. Will we pile on the kingdom, or are we just going to sprinkle a little over the top? By what measure you measure the kingdom life, that's the measure that will be used to measure it back to you in the end, when it shines from its lampstand. So will we measure with a teaspoon? Are we going to have a small kingdom life with very little impact? Or will we measure with a dump truck? Because whatever measure we measure, that's the measure by which it will be measured back to us. Get the measures? There's a few of them in there. I think Jesus partly is thinking about the Pharisees here. They measure their lives very carefully. They measure Jesus' words. They measure their image very carefully. They're very carefully crafting everything. And they remain very skeptical and defensive about Jesus. They're trying to fit Jesus into this very small world that they've created for themselves. And he doesn't fit. When Jesus comes, when the kingdom comes, it explodes our little boxes. And Jesus says, look, whatever measure you measure, that's the measure by which it will be measured back to you. They want to kill Jesus. That's where it goes. Because he doesn't fit into their boxes. Their skepticism turns to hostility, turns to outright, they want to kill him. It's like us in our very small, very measured American dream. Get what you want, live out your desires. That's a very small life. It's a very carefully crafted, measured life. A little bit of career here, a little culturally acceptable self-indulgence there. Maybe climb the corporate ladder, craft my image so that others will be impressed. Make sure you sprinkle a little bit of church attendance and Bible reading on the top. Our desires are so small. And following them makes us into small people. And again, they're fed to us by a culture that is out to abuse us. They want to take advantage of us. And we hear that and obey it and submit to it. Jesus says, be careful what you hear and obey. Following this culture's idea of a good life Staying safe in a culture that's this perverted and this ungodly will not be safe in the end. Even what you have, all that you want to trust in now will be taken from you, he says, and you'll be left with nothing. If you're trusting in this culture, it doesn't stick around. It's not going to stay very long. It will be gone and you'll be left with nothing if that's what you're holding on to. The American dream leaves us empty. It's reminded me of a book that my cousin Sam wrote that's not yet published, but it's called Warm Gold. And it begins with a kid in an alleyway living in a trash cave. And an old miner comes along and offers him a gold nugget. He says, you can live off this. This is the promise of a new life. But the kid shrinks back. He's afraid of it. His name is Rub. Rub knew himself better in the dark, it says. In the safety of the jagged metal, pressing on all sides against his tender skin, he knew himself there. He knew what to do, how to live. He knew where the rats came in. To stretch himself out into the baking light was a danger that might lead to war. We know ourselves better in this small box that we create for ourselves. We know ourselves here. We know how to act. We know what to do. We know where the dangers are, where the rats come in. It's safe. even though it's destructive and you can't survive it and all that. But the kingdom is dangerous. 
The kingdom invites us and it will, it will explode our trash caves. It will explode our small boxes. It explodes our lives. It is dangerous and it is scary, but it is bigger and truer and more full of life. Yes, we do know ourselves better in the dark. We do know where the rats come in. To walk into kingdom life will be a danger that leads to war. That was true for the disciples. It led them to true life and led most of them to violent death, following Jesus' violent death. That's what we, we should expect, right? Jesus, our Lord, died violently. But the trash caves seem safer, even though we're presented with a gold nugget. We're presented with the life of the kingdom. Yes, it is dangerous. And it is truer and better and bigger and more wonderful. To change the metaphor a little bit, we're being offered a kingdom feast, but we want to stick with our Big Mac. Steak, potatoes, good organic King's Garden veggies, and we want our Big Mac. And we'll sprinkle a little bit of kingdom sea salt on top and call this a meal. Right? It might have the calories of a meal, but it's not, not very good food. We want the culture's junky fast food and we sprinkle a little bit of Christian language or Christian clothing onto my life. Again, if we sprinkle, everything that we have will be taken away. That Big Mac will be gone. When we've got a feast over here, Jesus offers us a feast. He may be talking about salvation when he says, even what he has will be taken away. That's possible. It's possible that he's talking to those who think they'll be saved but won't. And Jesus might say to them, I never knew you. But I think really what he's saying is, here's your invite to the kingdom. Respond now and the reward is so much greater than you can imagine. The reward is so big, so glorious. Because the kingdom of God is hidden now, but it's meant to be revealed. It says the lamp, uh, the proper Greek here is the, a lamp comes not to be put under a basket. It's going to be revealed. It's hidden now so that it will be revealed. Jesus has come so that he can reveal the kingdom. It's like a hidden lamp. We can kind of see it, but not fully yet. Or like an Easter egg. I'm not sure what's in it, but if I open it up, I get chocolate. Part of what Jesus is saying, the disciples just don't get it yet. It's hidden from them in some ways. Um, we're going to look in the next couple of weeks at the end of chapter 4, where Jesus calms the storm, right? He's, he, they're on the boat and, and the disciples are freaking out and Jesus gets up and says, be quiet. And the sea calms down. And Jesus go, uh, the disciples look around at one another and like, who is this guy? That was kind of crazy. Who could he be, really? They don't get it yet. It's still hidden. But, Jesus says, you can see the light. You know what's here. Even if you, it's not fully revealed to you yet, you know what's happening. So Come. The feast is prepared. Let's eat. The Easter eggs are stuffed. Let's open them. And when we start feasting, it just gets better and better. Yes, it is dangerous. Don't get me wrong. But the feast gets better and better. And if you live in the light of the kingdom now, you get the best reward when the kingdom is fully revealed. When it finally is put up on the lampstand. If we feast at the gourmet buffet of the kingdom now, again, the steak and potatoes and King's Garden veggies, we really get to feast when Jesus returns. The wedding feast of the Lamb 
will be greater than any feast we've ever seen or imagined. Like lobster times a million. For those who've been feasting, the feast will be better. If we've been measuring with dump trucks, measuring the kingdom life with dump trucks, then we get more dump trucks. If we've been measuring with a teaspoon, nothing's coming. We'll be left with a teaspoon. Don't settle for the fast food, junk food with a little bit of teaspoon kingdom life sprinkled on top. Don't settle for the American dream with some Jesus on the side. Don't follow the culture's idea of how to deal with your money and your recreation and your sexuality and your time. Don't live a small measured life. Feast at the table of the king. Put all your trust in him and let him show you his glorious kingdom. We see within the gospel of Mark that Jesus is this teacher who's been teaching about the kingdom of God. But he will be fully revealed and his kingdom will be made clear in various ways both in Mark and then beyond in the rest of the New Testament. Um, in Mark, we see the very first time that a human person says, this man is the Son of God, is when he's on the cross. At the crucifixion, we see Jesus' kingdom revealed in a new way that we haven't seen it before. The lamp is put up on the lampstand there at the crucifixion. Jesus' identity is revealed in, in a brand new way. He is the defeater of sin. He is the Savior of the world. And this king is a loving, sacrificial king. And his kingdom is one of sacrifice and love. So that's a new image of, of the kingdom when it's put on the lampstand. Again, we see in a new way again, three days later, when Jesus rises from the dead. He's not only sacrificial, sacrificial is great, but he's also victorious. He's defeated death. Death is no longer an enemy that can threaten Jesus or really any of his followers. He's in the process of making everything new. He's sacrificial and victorious. At the ascension, we see again in a new way, the lampstand's put up again. He's now reigning in heaven. He is Lord, now, from heaven, over all the earth. At Pentecost, we see it again when the Spirit comes. His kingdom is made clear to, the, to His disciples by the power of the Spirit. And the Spirit's life in those disciples means that they go out and live a whole new kind of life. Those scared disciples are preaching the gospel in the, in the square, the city square. Thousands are coming to know Jesus. The kingdom is on full display when the Spirit comes because the Spirit is active all over the world. He's doing His work all the time. He's working. He's leading our efforts. He's preparing hearts. And He's helping Christians to persevere in following our sacrificial Lord and King. And then, of course, in the church's life, as the Spirit goes out and does his work, again, the lamp is put up on the lampstand in, in the life of the church, in our love for one another. Again, there's still a kind of hiddenness here, but the kingdom is on display in the life of the church. Not in our great cultural battles or political battles or any of that kind of thing, but in caring for the sick, caring for the needy, giving homes to the homeless, in loving single moms and widows and orphans, when we make broken lives whole, when we bring rebellious lives to peace, when we reconcile people who are divided, this is the life of the kingdom going out in the church. And we're often fighting evil in unexpected ways. In the Revelation course um, that I'm teaching right now, we've been talking about how the faithful witness of Christians around the world um, defeats evil. 
when we remain faithful as Christians in the middle of persecution and suffering, evil is being defeated. And so, you remember this horrific story of the 21 who were beheaded on the beach. Um, one of the brothers of one of those men was interviewed and he said thank you to the persecutors because he said, look, the gospel was shared in that moment in ways that we, we can't do like easily. The gospel, the kingdom life was shown and put up on a lampstand and revealed in ways that we couldn't have done otherwise. It's a horrific event and we pray against those kinds of tragedies. But what really happened from the perspective of heaven, when our brothers and sisters were killed on that beach, the kingdom of God advanced. A major battle was won for the kingdom. Evil was defeated on that beach. And it's being defeated all around the world by the faithful witness of our brothers and sisters. The church is fighting evil by our faithful testimony and by sacrificial suffering and death. Just as our king won the great ultimate victory, we continue winning battles when we sacrifice and suffer as he did. The church continues to put up that lampstand, put that lamp on the lampstand in our acts of peace and justice and in the fruits of the Spirit. The book of Acts is one long story of how the Spirit is bringing the kingdom to far corners of the world. As kingdoms share, as Christians share everything that we have. And as we continue to maintain faithful testimony, the love of God is spreading and the kingdom is expanding. We have opportunities in our neighborhood to share the kingdom life. Two tables in the back today. VBS, as we care for kids in our neighborhood who might not otherwise hear the gospel. So we care for those kids. The kingdom is expanding. The lamp is being put on a lampstand. So go back and check out the table and see if God might be calling you to volunteer with them. Another table back there is Eternity Bible College, and I want to give them a shout out. Um, Eternity Bible College is coming to town and this is Bible education, Bible college for folks. And if you're interested, talk to me or talk to Lance or Mary Beth at the back. If you're a high schooler or if you're parents or grandparent of high schooler, come talk to us. Their graduates are ready to live the kingdom life. When they come out, they are thinking biblically and they're thinking in kingdom ways and they're living out kingdom life in the world. So I'm excited that Cole is, is choosing to partner with them. So again, talk to Lance or Mary Beth at the back. So we've talked about some ways that the lamp is put up on the lampstand. Of course, the greatest way is Jesus' second coming. When he returns, comes down on the clouds with trumpets, the whole deal. When he returns, this will be the ultimate lampstand. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. At that point, we really get to celebrate the feast is that much greater. We will celebrate the wedding feast of the Lamb. And the wonderful feast that we've prepared now will be even greater. We'll get dump trucks of better food. Uh, mixing too many metaphors here. but And the lamp will be on the lampstand so bright that we won't even need the sun, it says in Revelation. Jesus himself will provide so much light that the sun will hide its face. Everything will be made new. We will be made new. Creation will be whole. And we will see and we will know. We won't have to respond in faith because we will know that Jesus is Lord and that his kingdom is the kingdom. Everything will be exactly 
as God intended it to be from the very beginning. There will be no more evil, no more pain, no more sin and death. Our deepest yearnings of our hearts will be filled. Not these petty desires that we live with now. Not these small measured lives. Our deepest desires of our hearts. We will be the glorious beings that God created us to be. And His church, humanity, will be holy and blameless before God. Somehow, by the miracle of God, we will be a virtuous and victorious and proper bride for the Lamb. Of course, we can go on and on about new creation. But again, for now, He's a hidden lamp. His kingdom is hidden. But a hidden lamp that will be revealed and by whose light everything will be shown for what it is. So the question today is, do you have ears to hear? Are you going to open up that Easter egg? Are you going to feast at the kingdom table? A few application points for us. One is hear and obey Jesus. Meditate on the scriptures. Learn to listen to the Spirit's work in the world. Be careful about what you're obeying and submitting to. Don't submit to our culture. Submit to Jesus. Feast at the table of the kingdom. A second application point. Feast at the table of the kingdom now. Don't justify yourself with sprinkling a little bit of kingdom life on top. Really live the kingdom life. Get a dump truck of kingdom life. Follow the movement of the Spirit. Devour the scriptures. Give yourself away sacrificially as our Lord did. Third, don't settle for the small measured life with its small desires. Let God fill the deepest desires of your heart. For now, we have to keep waiting though, right? We have to keep waiting and yearning because things aren't right. I'm not right. The world isn't right. But the lamp will be set on its lampstand. And the world will be a place where peace and justice reign. And Jesus, our crucified and risen Lord, will rule over a new heavens and a new earth. We're not called to be a people that holds on, fights for what we have, unless that what we have means our faithfulness. We're called and enabled to fight for the kingdom of God. It's a bigger calling. We're enabled by the power of the Spirit to do that, though. And finally, put your trust in Jesus by faith. He will make it clear later. For now, it's still hidden, but He will clear it up for you. Trust Him and walk with Him, and He will make the truth about Himself clear. If you've never put your trust in Jesus, I invite you today to come and feast at the table of the King. He invites you to a much bigger life. His kingdom is more glorious, and it will be the shining kingdom that will set all things right. And if you recognize that you've been sprinkling a little Jesus over the top of your culturally acceptable life, then put your full trust in Him. Get a dump truck. Everything else that we do will pass away. Our faith in Jesus and our love for one another, those will endure into eternity. Everything else will disappear. So let our love for one another and our faith in Jesus be our legacy Open up the Easter eggs that he's offering us and enjoy all the gifts of his grace. So like the song, let it shine, let it shine, let the kingdom life shine. It's not this little light of mine. It's God's great life in the world. Let that shine. We're going to close in prayer. I'm going to lead us in prayer. For those of you who have never trusted Jesus, follow me first. For those who have been sprinkling and not feasting, follow me second. 
And then everybody, would you join me in the Lord's Prayer at the end? And in my household, when we do the Lord's Prayer, since Adaliah learned the Lord's Prayer, it ends with forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And the evers just keep going. I think you'll, I think you'll figure it out. So please stand with me as we pray. Father, let your kingdom shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Father, there are folks here today who don't know you, but are being drawn by your kingdom. If that's you, please pray with me. Father, your kingdom excites me. I want to be a part of it. I want to follow this King Jesus and put my trust in him and experience the dangerous, difficult, but wonderful kingdom life now. I trust that Jesus died for me and that his death covered my sins. I trust that he rose again and defeated death so that I might have life. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Make me new and make me a part of your kingdom. Save me from sin and give me life. I love you, Jesus. And Father, some of us have been living the life of our culture and not putting all of our trust in you. So if that's you, please pray with me. Father, your kingdom excites me. I know you are making everything new. And I ask you to make me new today. I want to feast at your table and stop sprinkling a bit of kingdom on my small desires. Change my heart to desire only you. Do your work in my life so that everything I am belongs to you and reveals your kingdom work in my life. I give everything I am and have to you. And Father, all of us want to see your kingdom at work in us. And so, as Jesus taught us, we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever 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 and ever. Amen.